This podcast is a production of the Johns Hopkins University Press. To learn more, please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals. Thank you for tuning in to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. My name is Brian Shea, and I am the Public Relations and Advertising Manager in the Journals Division. The journal Theory and Event recently published the first issue of its 20th volume. The online journal has a strong tradition of reacting quickly to current events with thought-provoking commentary. Editors Kenan Ferguson and James Martell joined us to talk about this tradition as well as plans for 2017 and beyond. Thank you for joining me today, James and Kenan. Uh, tell me, uh, either one of you can jump in first on this one. How does it feel to be serving as editor during this uh, milestone time? For me, uh, this is yeah. this is Kenan. I um, I'm really proud to be part of this journal. I remember when it uh, first emerged 20 years ago, and how excited I was by its its appearance on the scene, and to now be co-editor in a line of just some fabulous co-editors is is both flattering and exciting. Yeah, I agree, too. And I also think in these especially dark times, it really feels good to be in a position where we can have people respond to, like, really critical, pressing political issues. So we're kind of very much keeping in the theme of theory and event from the get-go. Uh, James, in, uh, in the um, introduction to the issue, it talked about how part of the format for this first issue of the 20th volume came from conversations with the journal's founders when it came to putting the things together, what was the process of structuring these different parts of the issue to get them into the final final product? I mean, Kenan can speak to the um, to the issue of the actual idea, but in terms of just the putting things together, we kind of wanted a, a really diverse group of younger scholars who um, would respond to older original uh, articles that came out in very early theory and event. Uh, essays. And so we tried to get people from all over the world and mostly in earlier stages or mid stages of their career. So we had people from Brazil and, and Australia and England, and of course, many from the United States as well. So, so part of the structuring just came from trying to get a lot of diversity and representing some of the best young scholarship that's out there. For me, the original conversations came out of a desire to look back, to recognize the things the journal has really achieved over the past 20 years, but to not have it be a retrospective look. That is not to talk just about the past, but actually to take them into the future. So when we contacted the people that James is referring to, one of the criteria that we used was we were really looking for people for whom theory and event has always been part of the intellectual landscape. So these were people who came of age reading theory and event, knowing it was there, always turning to it. And so when they looked back on the first few years, we were really interested to see not just what they made of those original essays, but where they thought those ideas were, were things that filled the pages or the digital pages early on, were they still pertinent ideas? Did Had the journal changed where the discussion was? And so a lot of the articles that came out of that were these responses to 
ideas that had been developed within the early years of Theory and Event. In previous conversations I've had with people from Theory Event, either editors or guest editors or authors, it really seems like hitting that younger scholar demographic is part of the DNA of the journal. That must have been important to get it into this issue, to have people who are building their career be part of this reflection. I think that that's exactly right, that part of Theory and Event is kind of like a way to sort of mentor, have, have older scholars mentoring younger scholars and inaugurating this kind of ongoing conversation that keeps changing. So we encourage the, the writers to engage critically with the older essays that they were dealing with in the old and the authors because we um, we wanted to uh, to sort of show some critical distance which is after all what theory and event is all based on and, and and thinking and thinking critically what's the importance of a journal like theory and event right now in this current climate how important is it for the kind of work you do and the ability to be so nimble because of the online content i think it's very critical to have a journal that operates at, let's say, a speed a little quicker than a lot of other journals. One of the things that didn't exist when Theory and Event was first created was the blogosphere. So now with things like Twitter and blogs, you actually have a first, uh, you know, what we used to call a first draft of history, you know, an intellectual space. Theory and Event really has become a place where people can do a longer form, more academic process of thinking through philosophical, political ideas, but can do it in a way that doesn't take the usual time that a journal uh, article, which can sometimes take up to two years, takes. So that, for example, we're going to have a special issue in about a month on the Trump administration. And it would be if this was a traditional paper-bound journal, it would be almost impossible to put a supplement like that together in the amount of time that uh, that we're going to be doing. Yeah, I would I would just add to that that that's that's the most exciting thing about being an editor at Theory and Event is that Kenan and I can really kind of respond to things in real time and make things happen amazingly quickly, uh, especially compared to uh, traditional paper-bound journals. And I think. Uh, one of the great things about Theory and Event is it's lived up to it, this possibility of kind of being an interface between like an active, living, academic and political community on the one hand and then kind of a more traditional journal on the other. It has, in some ways, the best elements of both because it's, it, doesn't, it does allow sort of more thought and more kind of conversation to go on in kind of a more traditional sense, but it, but it has that element of quickness and and it was just sort of set up so that when the blogosphere appeared, it was ready to sort of step into this sort of middle position between um, blogs and, and like more traditional scholarly articles. So it's been, it's been very exciting to be able to kind of respond to things like we had a special issue on, on the crisis in Turkey. We had a special issue a long time ago on, on Occupy Wall Street, just things like that um, that just keep coming up. You mentioned jumping into the Trump administration right away. Do you have anything else planned for 2017, or is it really just having that ability to react to what's happening right now that, that you see as the future? We're, we're recording this on January 27th, and I think uh, nobody can really predict what this Trump administration is going to look like and therefore uh, uh, what the world is going to look like. I think the best aspects of this job are, are being able to think through um, what becomes important what emerges. So it might be the United States relationship with Mexico, it might be the dissolution of the nation state system, or anything in between, but theory and events going to be able to 
think hard about it and write interesting and provocative and very scholarly work on it. And I would just add to that that, um, you know, we've been talking to a lot of scholars about this issue about the Trump presidency and Kennan had the idea that it shouldn't be looking at the election anymore. That should be kind of forward-looking. But and I think that's a great idea. And a lot of people initially, when we contacted them to write something, said that they were just very overwhelmed and and didn't really know what to say and so forth. But I think asking them to actually contribute something has helped them to think more deeply and critically, and that in turn allows the readership and other people to respond as well. So that like in the crisis, often. No one knows what to say, but I think by by this mechanism of theory and event, it becomes possible to think more clearly about something that's happening in real time. Right. And again, this is kind of tangenting off of that, but because of the blogosphere and Twitter and the nature of that, do you think scholars are more prepared now to do that quickly, turn on a dime and write these things? Whereas 15, 20 years ago, they might not have been because they were so ingrained in the traditional print journal format of taking a long time. Yes, I think there's a uh, more of a recognition that there are different ways to be intellectually engaged. On the other hand, I think that scholars, intellectuals, have always been reacting to contemporary events. What's really changed with first theory and event and then other social media uh, later has been the extent to which there can become circulations of ideas so that somebody can respond to something and then a few hours later someone else can build off of that, whereas that process used to be a lot more of a stretched out one, that you would have to go to a conference to hear somebody's new ideas about the current administration. And that the role of a journal like Theory and Event can be to hasten that discussion without having to shorten things to 140 characters. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also would say that um, I think it's true that thanks to blogs and other and other like social media formats that um, people have gotten better at thinking in real time. And I think theory and event gives them an opportunity to think in real time in a sort of a more collective and sort of deeper process. Also, also as Kenan was just saying, in relation to what other people have been saying. So it sort of fits a nice niche there. Anything else planned for 2017? Well, we do have we do have some symposia and special issues uh, in the works. Like there's one on black feminism and Afro pessimism, and a few, you know a few others. But um, I think you know we're always open to uh, responding in real time to real things. So that's one of the beauties of, of the way this works is that we can sort of jump jump the line if anything happens, as, as Ken was saying earlier that requires like a more immediate um, response rather than something else. James was the co-editor before me, so I came in and learned a lot from him. And one of the things that he was uh, very helpful in was recognizing the extent to which theory and event is directed by the intellectual engagements of its contributors, that we're constantly looking for the new newest work coming out on subjects, topics, methods, or philosophers that maybe we don't even know about, but that our contributors open our eyes. So I would say my, for me, the most exciting aspect of 2017 is to be continuing to learn about fields and writers that I really uh, haven't been familiar with before.
That's great, and we're really excited to help share that. It's uh, it's been great talking to you too. I've always enjoyed my conversations with people working with Theory and Event, and we look forward to another great twenty years, and hopefully even more. Thanks for having us, Brian. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. Please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals for more information.